yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time imon irok the yen of chacht erachor. Agus suligam a makan sha gurfeder erachor inuik kiart len of winter fein. Skilti fis turmi. Tashe dochrecha nach vetoch ara igornamyan on kestchen ekol. Vien talam aginam griv arkar nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckley, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. This week, we're talking about the tech that can get you into a pub or a restaurant, like a QR code. Now, I'm joined by uh, one person who's actually in Denmark where this is happening at the moment, and then another person to talk about the technology here at home. Um, Zoe Healy-Jensen, consultant, freelance consultant for events and uh, other stuff. You're welcome to the podcast. You're in, where are you in Denmark? So I'm on the west coast of Denmark in Esbjerg. Um, with my husband, we we moved from Dublin late last summer um, to come here. And how does it work over there? What how can you get into a pub or a restaurant? Do you have a smartphone app? How does it work? Yeah. So, um, well, first of all, like we, we were we were actually in a pub last night watching um, watching football. And well, listen, sorry, deep comm- commiserations. I hope you do understand that almost all of Ireland was shouting in your corner. I, I believe so. Yes, um, lots lots of support for the Danish team. I think as well after everything that they've they've been through, yeah. um, and great performance. And also, by the way, just a side note: the English can never complain about anybody else diving or cheating ever again. But listen, we're not going to get into that in this podcast. So you, you said yeah. you were you were out last night. So um, how it works here um, is uh, we have what they call a Corona Pass app, which is currently being used within Denmark and was launched uh, by the government here on the 28th of May. Now, that is superseding what already already existed, which was the, it would be their equivalent of like a, it's a health service app, um, mm. which which was already, you know, giving people information about their their vaccine um, notifications and things like that. Um, so you, if you wanted, uh, before the 28th of May, they, they had this already in place. But this Corona Pass app, the, the special thing about it is this QR code. So when we, you know, arrive at the door of, of the pub last night, there's a guy and he, we just literally show the app, the QR code. Now, it doesn't say whether or not I'm vaccinated or whether or not I've had a test in the last um, 72 hours. The antigen tests are, are everywhere here. Um, or indeed, if I've recovered from COVID, it just shows that doorman that I am, you know, I'm good to go. 
Um, so they don't actually have your personal information in that way either. So so they don't know why you're good to go. It no. could be that you've taken an antigen test. It could be that exactly. you, you recover from COVID. It could be that uh, you, you're vaccinated. Exactly. It's just that this code verifies that green light status. Exactly. And what they have also introduced um, is, you know, it shows the time. The time kind of flickers across at the bottom. So it can't be screenshot um, and entered ah. for somebody else. That's so, interesting. Yeah. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like a rainbow color is going across it. And um, so it, it's impossible to cheat. And, you know, for me, every time I open that app, I want to see my, my, my QR code or indeed it shows me my latest vaccinations if I've had a test. So I can, you know, if, they, if anyone wants it, but they, they don't ask for that. Um, but I need to put my fingerprint or indeed a passcode, a pin number to open it up every time. So it can't be, you know, shared around and things like that, which is fantastic. Um, and everyone is using it. And I think that there has been maybe a little bit of, you know, resistance to the hour, people thinking that maybe older people in Ireland aren't going to use it. Everybody here is using it in Denmark. And they have had, a, you know, an online health system and access to your information for many years already. So it's nothing new to them here. Mm. I, I mean, it's it's kind of fascinating because we're talking about it here in Ireland. Yeah. The technology uh, is broadly similar to what you're describing, but we haven't figured out a system yet here mm. as to how it might work. And we're kind of all at sixes and sevens. The usual Irish thing of, oh, we could never get this to work or, yeah. oh, our parents or our grandparents, you know, won't be able to, to use smartphones, which I personally, whatever the objections to doing this, mm -hmm. I think that to me is a kind of a bogus one. The idea that older people can't hack, you know, getting used to a new feature on a smartphone, I, I think is kind of an outdated mm. um, argument. But you, so it, so it, it works fine over there. Absolutely. And, you know, there, you know, people have, you know, taken to it, no problem at all. And, and you know, also, I mean, anything to, you know, that, is, that comes from the government arrives by email and has done for many years. And there's this thing called an e-box, which people actually have to opt out of if they want to receive things by post. So, you know, people, you know, the, the first kind of round of people, the older generation being vaccinated here, were getting notifications, you know, and they, they go in. And in order to read those things, again, you need this, your fingerprint or your passcode is called an ME day, which everybody in Denmark has. I actually have to apply for residency here in order for me to um, register for the register and receive the vaccine, which, you know, you have to jump through a few hoops and, you know, prove, you know, you'll have enough, you know, know to get by here and things like that um but once you have that it just all opened up um to me um the week that i got this it's, it's all connected with your pps number um as well so once i have that their equivalent of a pps number i automatically received an invitation to to get the vaccine um got my nemi day all of these things so i'm good to go you know and ju just to clarify when you're showing this at the door do you also have to show id as well no no. No. Okay. When they first, before the Corona Pass app, when they had the, the, the other one, which they started using um, when, when indoor dining opened up again um, on the 21st of April, they were using the original app, which they actually were, people were supposed to check um, in pubs, restaurants and hair salons, but they never really did. It's, you know. So I, I guess, because one thing that immediately occurs to me is... I mean, is it possible that the Danes are more honest 
than Irish people <laughs> might be in terms of the honor system or in terms of turning up with something that they say is real? Um, I don't know if it's about honesty. I think it might be oh, about you're, that you're married that to a Dane, used. right? <laughs> I am. <laughs> um, but I think it's probably more that they are used to um, provide, you know, every, everything is connected with this magic number, this PPS style number um, and your NEMI day. So the likelihood of anyone trying to chance their arm, which just, you know, they just wouldn't. I think maybe they just wouldn't. Um, mm. and, and that it's not a novelty. So there isn't, mm. ah, hey, you know, we can we can use this to get into the pub. You know, they're, they're so used to having everything done online here. If you want to buy a house, sell a house you, you use your fingerprint and swipe if you want to get a divorce you literally just use your fingerprint um, wow. to do it um i mean that, that kind of sounds dystopian as well as impressive <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes i know it might appear a little bit like that but it is seamless the whole system is just is mm, it's yeah, working you know going back going back to my my earlier cynicism i suppose when you talk about fingerprints and qr codes i suppose the the big doubt that comes into our minds here in Ireland is that we just assume, it's like nuclear power, we assume that we just balls it up, that we wouldn't be able to do it properly. We assume that the Danes and the Germans and maybe even the Brits, you know, can mm -hmm. do stuff like that properly, but that we'll somehow make a hash of it, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I don't know what they're, what they've been working on behind the scenes in, in Ireland, but, you know, this, this was being, you know, was ready to go like in February when, when they decided, Parliament decided to do to mm. produce this app. And the big thing about it here as well is that, you know, it's already good for EU travel. So I can just change the app, you know, for, for travel within Denmark. And then I can switch it over for international. We went, we drove down to Germany there just about two weeks ago and arrived in the hotel and showed the QR code to show that I was good to go um, and enter the hotel. Um, God, I, I, I love the European sometimes. I really do. I, I love that element of the, of the EU. I wish we had more of it. Martin, let me bring you in here. Martin Meany, a journalist, and you run Goost.ie as well. It's been quite a journey for the old QR code, hasn't it? Yeah, and I, I'm listening to that uh, we're having in, in Denmark as well. So I'm flying out at 6 a.m. on the 19th of July to Germany, and I just don't have the faith in the system. Is gonna, I'm going to have a nice smooth transition at all. But um, yeah, like God, QR codes. I, I've been championing them for years. I love them. Like it's you know, I used to be kind of in marketing as well, and you know, like you see this kind of it's the bridge between the the analog world and the digital world, and like it's such a like there's similar things like NFC tags, but because you can't really see NFC tags, they're not as user friendly. And um, so like with a QR code and people know barcodes, it's kind of it's not as much of a leap for people. And um, but they're still like. They're just really slow to adopt them, and like I can't blame people. Um, but well, I you you remember when QR codes were introduced? Because I do, and I remember the marketing community really jumped on and thought this was going to be the next big thing. And and it, it there was too much exuberance. And I remember, for example, advertisers for you know soup and bread putting QR codes on buses as they flew by. <laughs> and at that time, your phone couldn't <laughs> recognize it through the camera app. You had to have a QR reader, and yeah. you. Brands really did think that people were going to take their phone out and try to, you know, time it with a bus going by. And it sort of, it, it was mocked, actually. Yeah, there's, there's a great video on YouTube. Uh, every time you create a QR code, you kill a kitten or something like that. And it was a, it's a great video about this exact idea of they're in the stupidest places. Um, and like, you know, I think that what was the, the biggest false dawn for me that surprised me was in 2017, I think when iPhone started supporting them in the camera by default. And I was like, oh, this is it. This is their moment. This has to be it. And it still didn't really happen. And like, it's really the pandemic that's making them have, 
I, I'm calling this their last stand. It's either now or never. Well, one of the big things is restaurants, and mm. you see this everywhere in every country. And I've started to see it around the area that I live. Uh, pub restaurants putting giant QR, QR codes outside mm. for their outdoor dining areas. And the idea, of course, is you just point your camera, your phone camera at it, and you, you get uh, the menu. That's Maybe that is the single thing, maybe together with pub passes, that will actually cement the QR code's future here of the next year or two? Yeah, I, th- I think it has to be. Um, but I think that the two experiences I've had with that so far, there's a, a lovely Italian restaurant called Sprecciatura, and that was like, where it's like, everywhere has QR codes now. Like, I just sat down randomly, mm-hmm. I was like, there it is. But I actually went to a bar recently, and I saw there's a QR code on the table. And the first thing I did was turn around and say, can I, can I order a drink? And I was like, why am I not live? Why am I not eating my own dog food? It's still, I'm not doing it. Um, and it's yeah. because the, the other side of it is while I'm willing to do it, you might still find that the bar or the restaurant, or it still might, like even that time in Sprezzatura, the menu is there, but I couldn't actually see what anything cost. So I was like, I still need to ask something. So it's, it's still the <laughs> imperfect solution. And one of the criti- <clears throat> one of the other criticisms of QR codes, I suppose, is the way they're implemented. I've seen some uh, versions of it where it brings you to a PDF page or brings you to five or six or seven different full-size PDF pages of each page of the menu, and you then have to start zooming in on the fonts. Uh, and it's kind of the mm. version of us old people you know, in regular restaurant with a regular menu with a tiny nine-point font taking out our smartphone flashlights to, to read the text. It becomes a very awkward thing, um, especially if you're, if you're dealing in the likes of There's also the issue that I suppose it officially formalizes us all now looking at our phones when we go into a restaurant as part of the process, rather than just creeping up and that's something we sorted it. Now, actually, you look around there, everybody's looking at their phone. Yeah, it, it's becoming unavoidable. Um, and I guess like it's uh, like, like that time in Spectatora. It's kind of inelegant. Yeah, no, it is. It definitely is. Like it's, and I think the the thing to remember is that these businesses have been like, like flustered completely. They're they're scrambling to kind of survive in a digital world. They're still not digital specialists. They're still not don't have people who tell them like, oh, if it loads as a PDF, that's not going to be very good for your for your customers. So, um, it's very hard for them, I guess, to like they they see other businesses with QR codes and go, oh, that's what I need, but they don't understand the journey yet that they need to give to their customers. Yeah, yeah. And another uh, motivation, by the way, to get one of the larger uh, smartphones, I can see that becoming an issue. So just in general, what's it like, uh, I was going to say over in the mainland, over in Denmark, over in Europe, in terms of the atmosphere toward COVID and moving around and shopping? Like once you go into the pub, mm-hmm. is there any distancing? Are no. people kind of relaxed? No. So they actually scrapped masks here um, about three weeks ago. Um, so the, the only time you wear a mask is if you're standing up on public transport. Um, but they actually they only introduced masks here last year, the end of October, um, and they had one meter distance. Um, they introduced two meters in January. Um, that they they closed soft dance. They were they were actually very concerned. Like up until I'd say December, they were actually it seemed to be quite relaxed here. Um, then they 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 closed. Uh, dining and retail in December and it only opened up there indoor dining in 21st of April but just in general I feel that um, it hasn't been as difficult here as it has been in Ireland for example there's never been any restrictions on where you could go and it was only ever a recommendation that 
you would maybe be no more than 10 people at home. So they've never restricted people's movements. I wonder why that is. I mean, I I mentioned kind Mm -hmm. of sarcastically the difference in cultural attitudes, but Mm -hmm. is it that the Danes are more like the Swedes who had this fairly radical herd immunity theory at the beginning of the pandemic? Is it that they're more self-restrained and they believe more in effective personal responsibility? Why why is it more relaxed? I think think it's more individual responsibility. I think there was also a very strong sense of you know, Danish people will not be told that they cannot have people in their homes. They will not be told that they cannot move around. It wouldn't have been accepted. You know, coming here when we did at the end of July, um, you know, people were absolutely flabbergasted, you know, about the you know the two kilometre, five kilometre, whatever restrictions that were happening, that was going on in Ireland. And um, like that would never happen here was what, you know, what the response was. People were just really shocked at that. Um, I think as well, there hasn't there was never as much of a panic and a fear um, as there was at the initial outbreak. They simply closed their borders. They closed indoor dining and retail um, in, in the middle of March. They opened it up again. They're all open again by May. You know, so there hasn't been as much fear. There was never a worry about the health system you know, crumbling, cracking under, underneath, um, you know, under the pressure. Um, so it, they always had a sense that things were very much under control. Um, they, they were very um, concerned in December, and that was to do with the British variant. I think that was the one time that I felt here that, um, that Danes were worried um, and the case numbers that were going up. So it is very relaxed here. Um, it feels like it doesn't really, it, you, know, you, you sometimes feel that it, it has been almost like an inconvenience that might sound very mean for me to say um, that COVID has been an inconvenience to people's lives and the wearing of masks and, you know, not being able to go to the pub. And, um, but it, it is very, you know, people, people, are, people are happy here. They're, you know, enjoying the summer, been enjoying the football, gathering together. Um, it, it's never, you know, it's just a different vibe, certainly here. It's very interesting the, the way the different countries treat differently. Uh, finally, Martin, do you think that we will successfully adopt a pub pass or a QR code to to get us into things. I've just had my second Pfizer jab yeah. and I'm told by the person jabbing me that I will get an email with a digital code and that will effectively act as my proof for the mm. time being. Do you, do you think it's going to happen? Um, I'm sure there'll be a, an attempt made. Uh, like, Let's not forget this is the same week that we were talking about this digital solution and letters being sent to people to explain that. Uh, so it's not Whatever they come up with, like the fact that you have to keep an eye on your mailbox for a posted QR code or something like that to, to <laughs> scan with your phone, is, it couldn't get more Irish yeah. than that. Um, I ho- hopefully, like I said, I'm, I'm flying out 6 a.m., 19th of July, and I'm nervous about that, not because of COVID, but because I'm just looking forward to seeing how they make a mess of it. Um, I can already see myself at the German border trying to explain why I have a piece of paper or something like that or and mm. um, <laughs> so yeah like we're already going to be late on that front like I know that we were kind of getting shamed by the, the EU during the week that we're late I guess they they did have the HSE thing to blame I suppose um but yeah so I I, I suspect that's going to be blamed for an awful lot <laughs> yeah. for an awful long time yeah it's our go-to um, thing now <laughs> but Okay, well, listen, uh, thank you both uh, very much. Zoe Healy, a freelance consultant for events and communications, Zoe Healy Jensen, I should say, and Martin Meany, a journalist and editor of Goose.ie. And that's all I have time for uh, this week. Thank you very much for putting up, especially seeing as there's power washing going outside, which you will have heard through most of this podcast. So thank you to the neighbours for 
organizing that at the exact same time as the podcast. But for me, Adrian Weck, the tech editor, the Irish Sunday Independent, that's all we have time for. So we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you.